good to be with you guys this morning. We're going to be continuing our sermon series on emotionally healthy spirituality. We're going to be in Psalm 32. If you want to begin turning there, either with your Bible or with a device. If you don't have a Bible, we actually do have some Bibles stacked up in the back. If you would like to grab a Bible, you could actually take that home if you don't have a Bible. Uh, but that's where we're going to be, Psalm 32. If you don't know where to find the Psalms, literally just open it up to the middle, and I guarantee you will hit the Psalms. So we're coming to the end of this series. We've been in it for several weeks now. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying it. hope you've been challenged in this sermon series, learning about yourself, learning about your emotions, learning how God has designed us to be emotionally programmed beings, learning about the complexity of our, of our emotions. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but I want to mention it again. I would really encourage you to take time to say, God, what have you been showing me? Which of these sermons has really jumped at me as an emotion that I need to learn to do business with? Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was shame. Maybe it was fear. What I mean, though, is encourage you to take time with this, is I think that hearing a sermon series is great, but if you just move forward with your life, probably not a whole lot's going to change. But if you say, no, I want to set aside space in the week, set aside an hour, set aside a couple hours, maybe even set aside a whole evening or an afternoon to say, I want to get away, have some quiet, have some time to reflect, have some time maybe to journal. You could buy a journal and just write some things that you think God is showing you. I would really encourage you to not miss an opportunity in this sermon series to do that. If you are married or if you have kids, this is worth getting a sitter for. So you could have some quiet space and do that. For many of us, this world of learning our emotions is new territory. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you've never actually heard anybody say to you, your anger is a gift. Your sadness is an emotion that God has programmed you to have, that he's designed you with to lead you somewhere. And you're like, what the heck are these pastors saying? I would encourage you, do business with that. Take time to reflect on those things. So today... We're going to be covering one more emotion than next week. Scott's going to cover the last one, and we're going to conclude the series. But today, we're going to be looking at the emotion of guilt. Guilt. What have you heard about guilt? How do you think that we should walk through feelings of guilt? You've probably heard people say things like, oh, I just always live with a guilty conscience. Or I just have so much guilt about this thing that I've done in my past. Or I just have so much guilt because I don't do enough. That's me all the time. What's interesting, though, is what do we want to do with our guilt? We just want to get rid of it, right? We want to be released of our guilt. Or for some of us, maybe we want to be cleansed of our guilt. We don't want to carry these feelings around with us. And so what do most of us do? We stuff down our guilt. We try to justify it. We try to blame shift. Or we go to alcohol or drugs or pornography or other sexual addiction as a way to suppress our feelings of guilt, to compensate, to cover for what our guilt is doing to us. But what if this morning I told you all of that is a complete waste of time? Because obviously it's not going to work. What if this morning I told you that your guilt that you feel 
is actually a gift from God that's showing you something. What if I told you this morning that your guilt that you feel is a gift from God designed to lead you back to right relationship with him and with other people? This morning, we're going to examine a story of guilt in the Bible, seeing a time when one of God's greatest leaders of all time actually walked through a season of guilt. This morning, we're going to be looking at the story of King David, a man who had an adulterous affair, lied to cover it up, and then actually had someone murdered to cover up what he did. And then he had an obvious guilt over that. And what did he do with his guilt? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you are newer to redemption or you don't really know a lot about uh, the Bible or about King David, the first two-thirds of your Bible are all about the story of Israel. And King David was one of the greatest leaders of Israel. But as I've already told you, David was far from perfect. He was a man that God had put in place to lead his people, to show the world, here's what God and his people are like. But one day David gave in to sexual lust. He saw a woman bathing. He desired her. He had a sexual affair with her. She became pregnant. He had the husband who was coming back from war, which is where David should have been, leading his troops in war. The husband came back, and so David tried to cover up his affair. He ended up having the husband killed so that no one would know. But God, in his mercy, pursued David. If you know the story, you know that God sent a prophet, which is a man or a woman who is designed to speak on God's behalf, sent a prophet named Nathan to King David and confronted David about his sin. And called David to own his guilt, to say this guilt that you feel is not designed to be covered up. It's designed to push you towards humility and to seeking forgiveness. So this morning, we're going to hear a psalm read that was David's response to his guilt. We're going to be in Psalm 32, and I'm going to ask Mike... Uh, Lapino to come up and read this for us. Psalm 32. All right, Psalm 32 of David. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin in the blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You, <clears throat> you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with you. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one whom trust, who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. 
awesome. Thanks, Mike. Let's pray as we go to jump into this. Jesus, we thank you that you, by your Spirit, are with us. Even as we have sung the truths of your good news over each other this morning, as we've heard your scripture read, as we now jump into exploring this world of uh, Psalm 32, this world of our guilt, Jesus, thank you that you are present with us. Jesus, thank you that it is your word that is speaking to us today. It is your word that is convicting us. It is your word that is stirring things up in us even now. So Jesus, we ask that you would help us to be a humble people. I ask for your help as I seek to go through uh, some of what I've studied this week and try to teach your people. Jesus, thank you that you call us to press into guilt and to not press it down. So we ask for your help as we jump into this now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as I said at the outset, this morning I want to try to show us that the feeling, the emotion of guilt is actually a gift. It is a feeling that comes that is intended to lead us somewhere. It's intended to communicate something to us. So let's start by looking at this idea that guilt is both a gift, but also it's a gauntlet. So we're going to look at the gauntlet and the gift of biblical guilt. Guilt is an emotion that tells you that you have done something wrong. It's different than shame, which we discussed last week. I'd encourage you to listen to the sermon from last week about shame, because shame tells you, I'm not enough. I'm incomplete. My lack means that I am no good as I am. But that is different than guilt. That's not the same. Guilt is the emotion that tells you, you know you've done something wrong. And as I said, this is a gift from God. Guilt is an emotional gift that God has given to us that lets us know and act on the fact that I've done something wrong. When you feel guilt you know that you've acted wrongly and that it needs to be changed. A man named Chip Dodd, who's been very influential in helping me and Scott and a lot of us understand this world of emotions, he writes this about guilt. He says, guilt is always about behavior, planned or acted towards another person. It tells us there is something in the heart that we're not seeing or owning up to. Behavior and plans are indications of the state of the heart. We feel guilty about what we do Yet our behaviors often indicate that something is going on inside our hearts that we're refusing to acknowledge, to address, to respond to, or to accept. But through guilt, the heart confronts behavior, and behavior in turn exposes the state of our hearts. Look back at Psalm 32. King David's guilt is confronting him. And we see that in verses 3 and 4, I want you to look there, he describes this feeling of the weight of guilt. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning, through that weight of the guilt pressing him. And he's saying, no, I'm going to stay quiet. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to cover this up. Verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. Is that not an expression of how guilt feels, this weight pressing? My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Imagine a hot summer day when you're just sweating. Maybe you're cutting the grass or 
Maybe you work hard or something like that. And you are just drained. Doesn't guilt feel like that a lot of times? My strength was sapped. King David's guilt was pushing him somewhere. That was God in his mercy saying, this guilt you feel is showing you something is wrong. You have done something wrong and you need to change. So guilt is an emotion that is designed to lead us into humility. Guilt calls us, I I want to phrase it this way, guilt calls us to step into the gauntlet of humility. The gauntlet of humility. You know what a gauntlet is? It's something you can't go around, can't go under it, can't go over it. You have to walk right through a gauntlet. A gauntlet, I think there's a picture. A gauntlet is an ancient form of punishment or initiation. Maybe you've heard the phrase running the gauntlet when someone was either about to be initiated into something or they were about to be punished. They would have two lines of people form and the person would have to run through the middle of them and everyone would take a hit at them. Would hit them with something, with a whip, with a club, with a sword. Do we have that picture up there that we can show? For some cultures, it was a rite of passage. For some cultures, it was punishment. But so imagine standing at the end of a row of two people and looking down through the middle of that, and you see these people ready to just whack you. And you know, can't go around this, can't go over it, can't go under it. I literally have to walk right through this. Guys, that's what our guilt is like. We have to walk through. We have to walk down the gauntlet. And I use that analogy because walking through guilt and humility, being humble, actually saying, I did something wrong. Guys, that's painful. It's very easy to say, oh yeah, I want to be humble. I can own, oh, I can own my own crap. Yeah, yeah, but that's a lot harder to do when you're face-to-face with the person that you need to seek forgiveness from. But remember, what if that gauntlet of humility is actually a gift? What if it's actually designed for your transformation? The gauntlet that we have to walk through with our guilt through humility can be overwhelming. It can keep you in silence, out of fear of the pain, fear of loss, unless you remember wait a minute, this is a gift from God. He's pushing me to humility with this. Because friends, that's the purpose of our guilt. When we rightly understand guilt as taught in the Bible, guilt doesn't mean that you just grovel in the dirt and you just feel bad and, oh, I just suck so much and I'm terrible. No, that's self-loathing. That's not guilt. That's self-hatred. That's toxic shame. Guilt means that you move forward and you say, I need to be humble. I need to seek forgiveness. When we listen to what our guilt is saying and we begin to understand that, we are given an opportunity to say, I need to be exposed here. I need to bring to the light something that I have done. We realize that this gauntlet is actually for our good. This is because in our feelings of guilt, as we move forward, as you move towards someone with openness, as you move towards someone with vulnerability, what you're doing is you're offering someone your heart. You're saying, here's 
all my feelings, all the things that I've done, I think this is, has hurt you. I think I've harmed you, either in ways that they know or don't know, and I'm willing to give that to you. Friends, what happens when you move forward in that way with seeking forgiveness, seeking to be humble? Check this out. You are asking the other person to help you determine the future of the relationship from the person you've harmed. When you move towards someone and say, I need to ask for your forgiveness, what you're really doing is saying, let's have a conversation about the future of our relationship. Am I going to continue to live in the shadows, or am I actually going to say, no, I want to be humble. I want to be open towards you. And friends, this can be costly. Let's be realistic here. For some of you, even with areas that you're thinking right now about guilt, about forgiveness, there might be a lot at stake. Being willing to walk down that gauntlet of seeking forgiveness might mean that you could lose relationships. It might mean you could even lose intimacy that you think you now are enjoying, even though, if you're honest, you're probably only living in partial intimacy in relationship if you're not actually being open and vulnerable. I think that many of us here maybe are afraid of being humble and asking forgiveness because we think that we will lose what we have now. There's the picture. See that guy at the head of the line? He's got to run all the way down to the end, and all those guys are going to whack him. Maybe right now you're thinking, I could lose status in a relationship if I'm truly open. Maybe I could lose a standing with my family, or with my parents, or with a significant other, or with a best friend, or with a spouse. But friends, hear me on this. If you press into your guilt, if you actually realize this is a gift from God designed to lead me to be humble, designed to lead me to seek forgiveness, you could have a relationship deeper than you could even imagine. Those who you think you have harmed the most could actually be the ones that you could have the most fulfilling relationships with. This is because humility comes with a promise that in the path of humility is where you're going to find life. Because guilt is not intended to be a punishment, but it's supposed to move us towards true freedom. And so, here's what happens. Put yourself in whatever situation where you need to ask for forgiveness. You have to move towards someone and say, I need to apologize, I need to repent. Will you forgive me for here's what I've done? There's two options. They forgive you or they don't. There's two options. Put yourself in your scenario that you're thinking of. And then hear me on this. Whether they forgive you or not is not on you. If you move forward and you're willing to expose your heart to someone and bring them the reality of where you think you've hurt them, they forgive you or they don't. And that is on them to decide. Because if you are willing to walk down that gauntlet, friends, whether they forgive you or not, you will be free. If you walk in humility. Either free because there's reconciliation and there's freedom and there's forgiveness, or you'll be free and there will be sadness but hope that maybe one day they can forgive you if they're not going to right now. But in both cases, hear me on this. If you're truthful, you can be free of the pain of guilt if you expose your heart. Look at King David in verse 
5 of Psalm 32. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Friends, so the gift of guilt leads us towards humility and forgiveness. And that is such a gift. There's a man uh, who Scott and I have learned a lot from, who's kind of begun to help us journey down this road. His name is Jeff Schulte. He, several years ago, was a pastor, became caught in a bunch of sexual sin, ended up pressing down the road of guilt, being open, repenting of that to his church, to his wife, to his family, and then he's now journeyed into openness of sharing this with people and what he has learned about guilt, about these emotions. Listen to what this man writes about King David in Psalm 32. He says, what a gracious God. David is under the stress of unconfessed sin, but God in his grace placed within David's heart a feeling called guilt, which is God's way of allowing David to see that he had sinned. As long as David refused it, and remember how he said, I'm going to stay silent. He was forced into an existence of shutting down, going away, and losing his very identity. That's what happens when we stay silent and don't act on what our guilt is showing us. In response to David's expression of his guilt and confessing the truth of his heart, God gave him the gift of forgiveness and freedom. Friends, if you're willing to press into that, there's freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt because of Jesus, which we're going to look at in just a couple of minutes. But if you have been tracking with this series at all, you know that with each emotion, there's the healthy way to walk through it, and then there's the impairment, the dark side, the refusal to press into that emotion. What happens if you don't recognize your guilt as a gift? What happens if you don't Seek humility. What happens if you say, I'm just going to live in silence? Well, first off, that's very common. Because that's what most people do with their guilt. But this morning, I want to walk you down a couple of the false pathways of ignoring our guilt. We've looked at, here's the benefit of pressing into guilt. But what happens if we don't listen to what our guilt is telling us? I want to lead us down a couple of the false pathways of guilt. We call this the impairment of guilt. If guilt is a gift, what happens if you push that gift aside? The first path is the path of self-forgiveness. One writer calls this the myth of self-forgiveness, that when we refuse to look at our guilt, when we just avoid it, we could become stuck in the world of self-forgiveness where we say, I just can't forgive myself for what I've done. Have you ever heard that phrase? People say, I know God has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. In our day and age, in our culture, maybe you've even heard that. Maybe you've been told that. Maybe you've read that. You just need to forgive yourself. Maybe a psychologist has told you that. Maybe a counselor has told you that. Our culture tells us that we need to just be okay with how we are. We just need to forgive ourselves. But all that's doing is just insulating you from the true guilt and from truly being connected to your heart. This idea of self-forgiveness is deadly. 
Self-esteem is all we're trying to protect. Simply trying to protect ourselves from the painful recognition that you've actually done something wrong. And so what happens is then we try to forgive ourselves and we just try to act out in goodwill and try to cover up what we've done. But this concept of self-forgiveness is a foolish quest to avoid the damage of your actions which you need to confront and it silences what your heart is truly crying out for, which is reconciliation and intimacy. This myth of self-forgiveness, walking down the road of saying, well, I just need to forgive myself, this refuses to acknowledge the guilt that you feel, which is supposed to lead you to humility. This is because, check this out, if you forgive yourself, who is God now? You are. You are God now. Because now, you are self-sufficient. This is why, friends, it is impossible to forgive yourself because we can only be forgiven by God and by other people. Again, have you heard people say, I know God has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. Friends, if this is you, your problem is not that you need to forgive yourself. But what's actually going on is that you are probably stuck in a cycle of toxic shame, which is what happens when you avoid your guilt. You are refusing the humility because you think, I'm above this. I shouldn't do this. I'm not that. I, I just can't believe I did that. But friend, clearly you aren't above that because you did it. You hurt someone in some way. So now you can either admit that and say, I need forgiveness. I need to confess my lack or my sin so that I can press into God and into others and find forgiveness. Look again at verse 5. David admits that he needs forgiveness from God. Again, our friend Chip Dodd writes this. When I try to forgive myself, I'm actually attempting to make me feel better about what I did to repair the temporary damage to my self-esteem. Self-forgiveness is a form of tricking oneself into believing that justifying, rationalizing, or excusing intentions is the same as forgiveness. But forgiveness is about me needing your help or God's help, not my own solutions. Because... We don't create ourselves. We are created. We don't forgive ourselves. We are forgiven. We are not God. We need God and the help of others. In fact, the only real power that we have, check this out, is the ability to refuse the one who owns us, who made us, pursues our hearts, to refuse the truth within our own hearts. When we attempt to forgive ourselves, we reject that we are image bearers of God and we refuse our dependency upon God and others. Friends, let's avoid this path. Let's avoid the lie that I just need to forgive myself. Let's now go down a second path. Another path of avoiding or impairing guilt is the path of passing the buck. You ever heard that phrase, pass the buck? Harry S. Truman, the buck stops here. Passing the buck is a term used to refer to putting or attributing something on somebody else. It's taking something that you are responsible for and loading that onto other people. Passing the buck with our guilt is when you choose to let someone else carry the weight of that. 
instead of actually owning that yourself. So how do you know if you're just passing the buck with your guilt, if you're just avoiding guilt by putting it on someone else? Ask yourself these questions. Am I willing to feel my guilt? Am I willing to listen to my heart and own my actions? Am I able to go to God or to others and expose my actions in openness and vulnerability? Again, if you were to look through Psalm 32, David doesn't pass the buck. He doesn't blame Bathsheba. He doesn't blame his situation. He doesn't blame the fact, like, oh, we're in war and I'm just stressed. And yeah, I know I had a sexual affair, but it wasn't really my fault. No, David says, that was me. That was all me. If you're not willing to feel your guilt, if you're not willing to listen to what your guilt is telling you, you need to hear this. You're not concerned with forgiveness then. All you want to do is justify yourself and explain yourself. You just want to save face. You don't actually want forgiveness. So think about this right now. If you are in a relationship that feels stuck, think about any relationships, maybe with a friend, maybe with a spouse, maybe with a family member. So think about that relationship. I bet if you started to examine that and say, why are we stuck? Why can't we move forward? There's probably a lot of passing the buck going on. There's probably a lot of shifting the guilt away from one to the other instead of actually owning your guilt and confessing and moving forward in humility. Ultimately, this avoidance of humility is all about blame. You simply want to push the blame, the responsibility, onto somebody else. Because this lets you say, see, this is why it's your fault and not actually mine. The biggest sinner in the room is not me. It must be you. In blaming, we think it is our right to be the way we are because it's all their fault. But friend, even in your blaming, you are denying your own longing for real intimacy for real connection, your longing to be reconciled. Blaming others, passing the buck is just like Novocaine. Numbs the pain, doesn't change a thing. For some of us, this is why you can't move forward in reconciliation with certain people. Maybe it's people in your past who have hurt you because you want to protect yourself from your own heart crying out saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how God made us to be. Because in both of these paths, seeking self-forgiveness or seeking to pass the buck with our blame, we're just cutting off the work that guilt is supposed to do in our lives. Because ultimately, if you refuse guilt, you're just going to live in toxic shame, which we talked about last week as well. Living in a world where you refuse to be humble, which will make you numb, which will lead you to a self-imposed isolation or to complete shamelessness where you just don't even feel anything. <sighs> Is there any hope? How can we avoid and fight these paths? How can we even recognize, I've already begun the journey down these paths. Is there any way off of this? Friends, Remember, your guilt 
is not designed for your destruction. Your feelings of guilt are a gift from God. So how do we grow into being people who actually believe that? How do we grow into being people who can be honest with the guilt we feel and be humble and courageous with that? Friends, this is only possible if we see Jesus walking ahead of us down the path of humility. This will only happen if we are increasingly willing to grow in trusting the path of humility. So let's conclude by looking at this, trusting the path of humility. Friends, this road that I'm calling you to, that David's calling you to, that maybe even the Spirit himself is pressing on you, I want you to hear this. You can trust this path. You can trust the path of humility. The road of humility that we've been talking about, this road of seeking forgiveness, of being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to expose your heart to somebody and ask them about the future of the relationship, this is a well-forged road. Not because a lot of people take it, but it's well-forged because Jesus himself is on this path. Jesus himself has already walked ahead of you down this road in humility, walking in reliance on the Father, calling us to be humble and saying, this path is for your good. Think about this. King David trusted the path of humility. He didn't even see Jesus. David didn't even know Jesus. David was looking ahead to a day when a Savior, when a Messiah would come who would do away with his sin. He didn't even have Jesus. But he chose to walk down the path of humility. So this morning, do you think Jesus is calling you to walk down this path? Do you believe that this morning Jesus is telling you that you will meet him on this path. Friends, Jesus himself didn't experience guilt because he didn't sin. Jesus was sinless. But this path of humility and reliance on the Father is one that he is very familiar with. This path of actually believing that what God says is for our good, Jesus walked that road. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus, in walking that path on reliance, was actually being willing to be counted with the guilty. Think about that. Jesus was counted among the guilty. But did he sin? No. But he said, I'm going to be counted as one of them. Think about that. What kind of savior is that for you in your guilt? Because think about this, Jesus was counted among the guilty when he went to the cross, and now the reward of Jesus' suffering is that we, his righteous people, who are righteous because of him, we now, think about this, we prove the sufficiency of his death by admitting our guilt, by seeking to be humble, by seeking forgiveness. We prove the sufficiency of Jesus' death when we say, I can be humble and walk down this path. Friends, that is absolutely proving the fact of what Jesus accomplished at the cross when you are humble, when you seek to live in humility. Remember that concept of the gauntlet, of having to walk down that gauntlet and be willing to receive those blows from people? Think about this. Jesus had no sin. There was no need for him to walk down a gauntlet, but he absolutely walked down a gauntlet for you. 
through Jesus' life, through his death, he walked down the ultimate gauntlet of receiving the ultimate blow, of receiving the ultimate punishment for our guilt, for our sin. Think about this. He did this so that now you can actually find courage when you are called to press into your guilt. Jesus walked the ultimate gauntlet. So now you, in your relatively minor gauntlet that you have to walk through compared to what Jesus walked through, you can now say, Jesus did that so that now I can have courage. So that I can say, I will trust Jesus and be humble and I will seek forgiveness. Whatever the outcome, I don't know, but I will find Jesus down this path. Friends, Jesus wants us to know that it is a safe thing to trust him walking down this path of humility because it's going to lead us to him. Trusting Jesus with the paths that he calls us to walk down will lead us to him. And I'll tell you this, trusting Jesus will not be the easiest path. There's a lot of other easy paths to take. If you want an easy path, there's a lot out there. But I promise you, the path Jesus is calling us on, it's for our good. And he knows our true good. So friends, in the good news of Jesus, when we see what he has done for us and how that speaks into the everyday stuff of life, we can say, I can be courageous and humble when I feel guilt because God has given me this gift of guilt to lead me to humility, to openness about my sin, so that I can seek forgiveness, not from myself, but I can seek forgiveness from God, and I can seek forgiveness from other people. But guys, all this is going to be impossible without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit doing the work of reawakening our eyes to see Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you've followed Jesus for a long time. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know Jesus. You've never known what it means to follow Jesus. Well, friends, if you're sensing that weight of your guilt, I want to say I think Jesus is actually calling you to respond. Let's listen again to some of these verses from Psalm 32. Now understanding this world of guilt, look at verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Jump to verse 7. But think about this. When it says the Lord, it's talking about Jesus. You, Jesus, are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. Friend, that, friends, that's freedom. That's freedom right there that Jesus is offering us. And then David, in verse 8, says to the people around him, to the other listeners, to the other people who are hearing him talk about this, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Why can he do that? Because he himself walked down this road. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by a bit or a bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked. You could also say many are the woes of those who refuse 
the road of walking down their guilt. But the Lord, but Jesus' unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him, the one who walks down the path of humility. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. So this morning, I just want to close by asking us, can you trust Jesus today? Can you trust Jesus to lead you on the path of humility and courage? I think for some of you, you need to hear this. There is more hope than you are taking advantage of. There is more hope for you than you are taking advantage of. Let me pray. And the band can come up and we'll close in song. Jesus, we do ask right now that you, by your spirit, would show us where where we are suppressing our guilt, where we are not trusting you, where in our arrogance, in our refusal, in our attempts to cover up our own sin or our own lack, Jesus, would you help us see where we're not actually trusting you? Jesus, I pray that this morning for those of us, myself included, that are, that are aware of our lack, would we see you, Jesus, ahead of us saying, can you trust me? You can trust me. Don't you see what I've already accomplished for your good? Can you not trust me with seeking forgiveness? Jesus, we ask you to do this work in us so that we can find freedom. But Jesus, we know that the end goal is not just our freedom, but the end goal is people around us seeing and experiencing the greatness of Jesus. Jesus, would you do such a work in us where we are such a humble, such a courageous people that the watching world sees and knows these people know the true God. Jesus, would our own following you on this path lead many others to come to know you, Jesus? Would people be added to the Redemption Church family because we are a humble and courageous people, because we are willing to seek forgiveness from people who we think are our enemies, from people who are family members and who love us but whom we have hurt? Jesus, would we show the greatness and power of the gospel by being a people who can say, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, we need your spirit to do this. So spirit, even now as we go to sing and then in a couple minutes be sent out as your people, would you, spirit, do that work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.